underneath the desire for a relationship or deep soul union or that evolutionary love that you know is possible, underneath all of that is a foundational layer that I think gets overlooked. That is the layer of the nervous system. And someone can think that they are ready for love, ready for deep connection, and if they are carrying any residual trauma in their nervous system, then that will impact the capacity that they have to relate, to connect, and to experience deep intimacy. This is happening in everyone. In everyone. I would say in nearly everyone, but it's over 99% of people, I would imagine. So I want to normalize this conversation. I want to normalize that fight or flight patterns exist in your body and your nervous system. And while we are healing that and we are changing that in our bodies and globally at this time, we also need to recognize those smoke signals that our body is throwing up when we are going into intimacy, going into a potential connection. So that's what this episode is about. May it serve, may it serve your ultimate evolution, even though it's talking about something that may be a little taboo because why? Because we have a social, um, you know, pressure to have it all together a lot of the time, but in that pressure to have it all together, to perform, to show up in the intimacy, to show up in the relationships, having it all together, guess what we're doing? We're trying to override our nervous systems. That's not working. That's not working. So this episode is in, in service to that, that shift, shifting out of fight or flight in order to experience deep, intimacy. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising and we're not doing it by further fighting or depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. We infuse the sacred with the logic, spirit with embodiment, feminine with masculine. And here, we strengthen by becoming sovereign and whole. In doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Visit sarahpoet.com today to find my archive of episodes, grab your free download of Masculine Feminine Money, and schedule your 15-minute discovery call with me to identify your next steps for your sacred remembering journey. I love supporting you. Now, let's begin. Hello community. Thank you for being here for episode 100. I just have a 
few brief announcements before we get to the content of this week's Sacred Remembering podcast. As some of you know, the Sacred Remembering membership community is now open and it is beginning to thrive and women are asking deep questions and forming relationships. It's amazing. This week, we had call number two of a um, four-call series on prosperity. And in that series, I have um, given everyone a five-step process in prosperity, in in a meditation. And, And so that's just one little example of something that you might find in the Sacred Remembering Membership, this experiential prosperity practice. And then we come together and we're having these four bonus calls this month in this prosperity practice. And last night we gathered and we talked about the feminine nervous system, the nervous system in us as women and how that idea of receptivity, be it, you know, love, relationship, money, prosperity, that idea of receptivity is sometimes very hard because we carry patterns of guardedness in ourselves, in our nervous systems, in our minds. And so we just we went into that last night. It was really beautiful. There were authentic shares. Um, it's a safe space. We, um, like I said, we practice and we bring through new revelations and we do that together. In addition to the live calls, there's also a complete library archive. It's not yet complete because it's all always growing, but it's quite large, an archive of my work and meditations and resources and talks on all kinds of topics. And then we also have our community space on Mighty Networks, where we're able to get to know one another as community between calls. Doesn't that sound amazing? It is, and it is growing. And we invite you there. We invite you to come on in and get to know us and show up to the live calls um, and form community. And that's what we're doing here at this time of monumental shift on the planet. I also want to give you a heads up on two things that are going to be coming forward as offerings. My system, Structure and Flow, which is a 90-day system in time, energy, and resource management for women. It's archetypally informed, so if you are coming into right relationship with your feminine, with your masculine, with your time, your energy, your money, all of that um, structure and flow is for you. I love structure and flow. I've used it for years. Um, it up levels your life every time. It's brilliant. Um, I feel like I co-created that one with the divine, so I, I can say it's brilliant and it's not an egotistical thing. It's just a really solid um, system. So that's a 90-day system and that's going to go on sale uh, right after Thanksgiving and um the offering is going to be very affordable because I have made an online um, teaching component that accompanies the system. So you get the workbook, 
the 90 day workbook to begin the first Sunday in January. That's January 2nd. And we'll begin as a group and then you'll follow the online course. And then we will also have three live calls together. And of course you can always schedule sessions with me, um, as a member of that group, if you need additional sessions to deal with any material that comes up, but it's such a beautiful system for really optimizing your time, your energy, your resources, and doing that in healthy feminine, healthy masculine, which I know we are all trying to do up on this planet right now, um, redefine what feminine and masculine both are and how they express through us um, individually. So women, feminine, masculine, internally, structure and flow is for you. Secondly, um, I want to open the conversation about fall in love with the king, which is a full six month deep dive, soulful container that will help a woman tremendously to heal her relationship to all things masculine. So again, the masculine inside of her, the masculine in relationships with men, the masculine divine, because I know that so many people uh, listening to this have religious trauma where it was said that, uh, you know, a, a divine masculine or a God masculine actually wanted this oppression of the feminine and of women. So that's traumatic, right? So we are undoing all of those old lies old patterning. And really, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Discovering the divine masculine in our hearts and in our remembrance, which is very different than me telling you what the divine masculine is, right? But I'm going to be leading this. And what I am seeing is a lot of interest in this um, program because I have a wait list on my website and people are filling out that wait list form all the time. So what I know (laughs) is that that's the divine wink that fall in love with the King is coming as an offering in the new year. Here's what I need you to do. Yes. Fill out that wait list form on the website. I'm going to be contacting everyone from there. Also, I need you to book a 15 minute consultation with me because I want to hear from you. I'm not doing sales of group coaching programs like I have in the past. I'm not doing sales in the same way. I'm doing sales authentically. And here's what my commitment is. I'm doing sales without a fight or flight response. I want us to have this evolutionary information. I want us to have these experiences of deep, soulful sisterhood and containers that are actually so shamanic in the energetic alchemy that your life will change so deeply. We're healing the trauma of the feminine and masculine. And I know that we can do that in these spaces. So I want you to have access to that. You know, I also need to get paid as a mother, as, as someone who puts my energy into the world. So what I want to do is I want to do sales differently. And I'm putting this into my voice on the podcast on the 100th episode. And I'm saying I'm committed to sales conversations and sales without fight or flight. So no pressure, no pressure on you, no pressure on me. We have a conversation like women who really came (laughs) to this planet 
to, um, to integrate back into union and into our hearts and to stop living this trauma of the patriarchy. And that's us. Okay. If you're listening to this and you're pinging right now, energetically, that's us, that's you. And that's me. And so, um, let's figure out what this, you know, the logistics are to this six month containers so that we can get you in. If you have all the money up front, yay. If you have to have a payment plan, we'll talk about it. Do you hear this? I'm saying no fight or flight in sales. Let's do this. Okay. So fall in love with the King healing all layers of the masculine massive, massive. I just, I feel it like a pillar of like, wow. Uh, right now, as I, as I name that, um, opportunity that's going to be upcoming and I would like to start it, uh, early in the new year in January. That's how it feels right now. So you're going to hear me talk about that more, but here is my formal invitation on episode 100. That is about addressing the fight or flight that we carry in our bodies. So let's get to that. So much love to you. Thank you for being here and reach out anytime, sarahpoet.com, book your 15 minute consultation. Let's have a conversation. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Sacred Remembering Podcast. 100. I'm Sarah Poet. It's so good to be here with you, whether this is your first episode or your 100th. This is so exciting. And it's releasing on November 11th, 11-11. And I just love that auspicious timing. Ah, so good. So this topic of today's episode really came in loud and clear as um, as the topic that wanted to be covered on this 100th episode. And I could do an episode about sacred union, something very lofty. You know, we have the 1111, the sacred union number, but that's not what wanted to happen today. What wanted to happen was a pretty honest and real conversation with you about intimacy and trauma. Because as someone who has lived a lot of studying what happens in the body uh, from a firsthand perspective, quite honestly, um, around all of the, the ways that the trauma arises, you know, in combination with intimacy or blocks intimacy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, this was the foundation for a lot of the work that I was doing in embodied breath and in the couple's work that I was doing um, because the trauma is what blocks the true connection. Um, and this is what I've been doing for years. But, you know, we like to talk about these big concepts like sacred union and conscious relationships and soulmates and, and all of that. But really what is, is so required is that we acknowledge and love and be gentle with ourselves, the parts underneath that have the residual trauma, which we all do. We all have it. We all carry it. Um, most of the listenership of this podcast are women and, and, um, everyone is welcome here in this space, but sometimes I do speak more directly to women, um, here in the broadcast and, 
I think it's really worth talking about the trauma that specifically women carry in their bodies coming out of patriarchy. So this episode specifically is going to talk about intimacy and trauma and energetics that pretty much everyone has. You know, I would love to be wrong about that statement, actually, pretty much everyone. I would love to be wrong about that. But the reason that this wanted to be the topic of the 100th episode is to normalize that, yes, we are walking toward this amazing world of conscious union and unity consciousness and all of those things. And we have to acknowledge and clear and transmute and heal and do whatever it takes so that these trauma frequencies actually dissolve and, and you know, these fears come back to integration in the body. So, I'm going to try not to get too like heady and technical in this episode. So, let me, let me just start with a story. <laughs> How about that? Let me, I'm going to start with a story about my puppy. Um, my puppy Holiday. She's nine months old now. And we got her when she was three and a half months old. And don't know her history, her background, other than um, she is a very sensitive soul. And she was born on some kind of farm and then had way too much like freedom for a puppy. So she didn't feel secure. She didn't feel secure. She didn't have like secure attachment to the mama or to the humans for that first three and a half months. So as sweet as holiday is, when someone is approaching her or it's really like the approaching, when someone's walking up to her or when someone walks into the apartment, um, when something surprises her, she goes fast. She barks. She has like a fight or flight response. She um, does not feel safe. So I've done a lot of basic training. I trained a dog before, so I'm, I'm not bad at it. And But this behavior was like not really improving. Like she wasn't feeling incredibly more secure, even though I would say that my son and I are providing her a very good life. So I've been getting quiet and watching Holiday and listening to Holiday intuitively. And what she needs is for me to slow down. So I've been training her to um, just pause. Like when something feels unsafe, we just stand. We just like pause our bodies, pause movement. I don't try to talk to her too much in that moment. We just pause. And then the next thing that happens is I I ask her to sit down next to me, sit, because that's predictable, right? And then I ask her to make eye contact, ask her to look. And then we regain connection and we reorient to the connection that we're building and the safety that we're building. I was just walking holiday around the lake in town this morning and really practicing this. And I was thinking about this podcast. 
and how applicable this story and these, you know, subtle energetics. Because when there's a fight or flight reaction in us, we're all mammals, right? Holiday is, I am, you are. When there is a fight or flight reaction, obviously, we tend to go faster. We tend to like want to move through that energy as quickly as possible. So when there's a stimulus that's uncomfortable or frightening or surprising, we tr- we go fast. And I remember my um, former therapist, a Hokomi body-based therapist used to say to me, when you want to go fast, go slow. And so even with holiday, you know, in my pacing around the lake this morning, I was like, you know, just alive and full of energy. And I was going fast and I was noticing she was anxious. So I was like, oh, you know, when you want to go fast, go slow. And that's what she does. She just, she feels the anxiousness and she wants to go fast to like get through it. But when she's doing that, she loses all orientation to what's around her. She loses all orientation. She's not looking at me. doesn't matter how I've trained her. She just loses orientation. And my friends, I want to say we do the same thing in regards to intimacy. Okay? So it was a story about a puppy. Now it's a story about us. So recently I had, um, I'm going to open something personal here, a little story share for you. Recently, I was, hmm, let's say considering the idea of like opening up a dating relationship with, with someone I know. Now, that was just like how I was feeling. What My heart was opening. I was feeling something. My heart was opening. I, I was attuning to that. It was like, oh, haven't felt this in a minute. And, you know, I'm open to it. It didn't move forward. But one of the major things that we talked about in this process was the history in both of us in rushing into relationships and rushing into intimacy, like intimacy of all kinds, intimacy of, you know, physical connection, um, heart connection, just making something of the relationship, um, making it mean something. You know, I had uh, a short conversation with um, a potential, you know, a client, a woman who heard my invitation to talk for 15 minutes and just scheduled a call this week. By the way, that invitation is still out there. I do three a week. It's been amazing to talk with you. Um, I love that. So keep it coming. I want to meet you. I want to hear what's on your heart. Um, it gives me deep inspiration. And so obviously the, the, there was something in that that sparked um, for me for this conversation as well in that you know, she was talking about the rush of relationships and how quickly she was making meaning of a new relationship. Then I get on Instagram this morning for a moment and there was uh, like an advertisement from, uh, I think it was Rising Woman, and they're talking about rushing into relationships. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, this collective energy that's coming up and we're all talking about this, which is great. So that rush has so much fight or flight in it, has so much fight or flight in it. 
And that was this really beautiful thing that I was discovering in this recent opportunity for self-reflection and just to, you know, all opportunities in relationship are opportunities for self-reflection. And so, um, you know, there was the decision not to rush. In this case, there was a decision not to even like enter into relationship. But what felt so good was tending to my nervous system and I'll say claiming that I was going to care for my nervous system and not rush anything, you know, not that anyone was pressuring me to rush, but that there was this old or familiar tendency to just say yes. And a couple of interesting things actually came up that are popping right now that I'll share. So, you know, as a woman who has definitely learned a lot, uh, definitely been through a lot, I know myself pretty well, really well, really well. And I know myself and my physical body really well as well. So it was really interesting to look back and witness how quickly, honestly, I I was willing to get into physically intimate relationships. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because we're a collective of people and somebody's going to resonate with what I'm saying. So I'm being vulnerable right now so that you can self-reflect. Okay. That's what I'm doing. So it was like, because I knew my body as a woman, as a, you know, sensual, sexual being, it was like, I was willing to um, engage in that way in a relatively quick way. Now, I can count the total number of partners I've ever had on two hands. So I'm not saying that that was like a lot of people, but when I felt the connection in relationship, one, I made meaning or something. And then two, there was this um, rushing. Well, why was that? I don't need to pick apart my own psychology on this podcast because that would take a long time, but there was a fight or flight reason that I was rushing for Sure. For sure. Maybe I was afraid it was going to go away. Maybe I was, um, let me just tune into another reason why. Yeah. Like uh, the, the turning down of the voice of self and really just kind of letting others have more um, authority. You know, I want to talk about this later in the podcast, but even doing that in the uh, vein of like, you know, feminine submission a little bit too, which is so shadowy, but like, I didn't, I wasn't really clear on what I wanted what was absolutely good for my feminine system along the way. And I wasn't acknowledging what my body was necessarily telling me. Like maybe there was a part of me that was saying yes, but, but there was probably also a part of me that was saying, slow down. I don't know if I want this so quickly. I don't even know if I want this at all. <laughs> right. Um, but here's someone else is really interested in saying they're interested and, and they want it. And so I'm kind of going along with it in some senses. What? I'm naming subtle energetics that I, again, I think 
We probably all do. And women do. You know, my son and I, my son is almost 13 and we just started watching the show Made on Netflix. And we've been talking about this cycle of abuse through the generations that is so well done in this show, demonstrating that. But we're also, we we're just talking about it on the way to school this morning, noting how the main character who in this um, TV show that you see her mother and you see her daughter. And, and so she's this middle generation um, and she's trying to break the cycle of abuse in the family, but her voice in her own self-advocacy is really timid. And, and so I definitely had that going on over time, even though I'm a pretty, you know, uh, outspoken person, there was definitely patterns of silence in my past and in, um, you know, and because of trauma that even if I maybe didn't feel totally right about um, moving forward, maybe I was also more prone to not voicing that not voicing that. So yeah, so I'm, I'm jumping in here and I'm going to get more organized for like part two of the podcast because um, I, I could speak a lot about the effects of trauma, either collective, you know, as the trauma that women in a patriarchy are carrying or when we have these traumas, you know, either known or unknown, living in our bodies, in our nervous system, in our body memory that maybe we don't have a story for, where are those going to get triggered the most? They're going to get triggered in intimate situations. Absolutely. And so, I'm going to go one layer deeper on the transparency here to share with you that, you know, my body always knew that there had been some kind of sexual abuse in my childhood, but the brain blocks it when I couldn't, as a young person, remember the exact story that you know, something had happened, then it was as if I could not prove that something had happened. And so what I did was go, I went through decades, like my twenties and my thirties, you know, learning to believe myself and learning to believe my own body and learning to believe the um, symptoms of trauma that would come up specifically in intimate situations. And I would say the reason that I stayed with my husband, my partner for 14 years was because of a certain level of familiarity and safety, but all of that trauma was under there all the time. And when I left that relationship and really dove into the uncovering of the trauma and the trauma memory as it lived in the body, what I found and what I discovered when I really opened to that was honestly years and years of material 
that I needed to work through. So not only was my body correct, it was correct and then some. And so that's what I mean when I say like, I had done a lot of reclamation of myself as a woman. I knew a lot about trauma. Um, you know, I, I knew what my body was doing, but it, it, it didn't necessarily mean that when I was in a new relationship with a man, that those trauma symptoms weren't coming up. They were. They were every single time. And while I haven't been in a relationship now for a year, when um, when this, let's say, um, heart opening, right? Because that's what this year has been about for me is really, um, you know, the topic of prosperity, true prosperity, opening of the heart, all of that. That's been 2021. And I, I have, I have opened my heart. And eventually that, that will mean like opening my heart to a relationship, but it feels very different now. And I got this little snippet, which I'm super appreciative of recently when I considered, you know, entering into this dating relationship. And then, and then (laughs) it took me 40 years. Um, But as a 40 year old woman, I was really aware of how my, whole system desired to go slow, to tend to the nervous system, to tend to anything residual that might come up, right? Because then I'm I'm just tending to it. I'm not in a fight or flight response, expecting my body to not have the fight or flight response or expecting the man to take care of the fight or flight response or expecting myself to suppress and empower through the fight or flight response. All of those things I've done before, all those things I bet you've done too. And so as we were approaching episode 100, what really wanted to be talked about was this honest topic of what does trauma in the body feel like? Yeah. Even as conscious women. Yeah. Even as, you know, 35, 37, 40 year old women, what does this residual trauma in the body feel like when it comes to intimacy? And I want to name this because I want us to honor our bodies. I want us to honor our stories. I want us to honor what we need. I want us to go slow. I want us to tend, tend and befriend, right? It's like the opposite of fight or flight. So tend and befriend this system before making rash decisions about entering into relationship, taking our clothes off, saying yes, like, you know? All right. So pausing for a moment. All right, so let's all take a breath together and actually starting with the exhale. And then leading to the inhale. Long, deep exhale. Allowing the inhale to rise. 
All right. So I am here with you. We are talking about some big stuff and we're acknowledging it, bringing it to consciousness. And um, yeah, this might bring up some stuff for you all. I know that this might bring up some stuff for you all. I also know that we want to heal and we want to get ourselves to a place where we can experience real and deep connection. And so all of this is in um, deep honor and reverence to the story that you have personally lived, um, to the story that your mother's, 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 your your intergenerational um, ancestry has lived. And it's also in spirit to the, the freedom from those inheritances um, and freedom from the things that have happened, quote unquote, to us in this lifetime. And um, I think part of the reason why I shared my story coming in or part of my story coming in, and and it's actually um, quite, quite deep, the level of um, sexual trauma, body manipulation, mind, emotional, you know, financial manipulation that um, my father uh, perpetrated on me. Um, I, I share that to say I get it. And, um, I have had to unwind quite deep patterning, um, from body, mind, psyche, all of that. And I know that that is absolutely what we are equipped to do. If you are here listening to this podcast, um, we, we are <laughs> clearing the truth. I'm sorry, clearing the trauma, becoming the truth, standing in the truth of who we are. And, um, you know, unveiling that truth, becoming that truth, standing and fortifying that truth. So you'll hear me say, we're, we are our truth, not our trauma. And, um, so I've lived it and I have to practice it absolutely. And yes, do the trauma, um, patterns still come up? Like if I were to rush into a relationship, Absolutely. Okay. So we are caring for our systems, caring for our bodies and doing the work of transmutation. So it's both and yes, we're healing. We acknowledge the trauma to heal it. Um, and also we align to the truth of who we are. So all of this is, um, in, in, yeah, deep reverence um, to the acknowledgement of these patterns so that we can bring them to consciousness and not perpetuate them. And I think the way that I'm going to do this um, second part of the podcast here is just to name a couple of really common trauma patterns that, yes, I have lived. And yes, I see in the women that I work with um, and the couples that I work with. And I also want to say that um, even if you did not have direct sexual trauma in this um, lifetime. Um, you know, a lot of you have had what I'll call religious trauma, where there was a patriarchal trauma, a false masculine trauma that was perpetuated down on you that caused you to be afraid in your body, think that you didn't have choices in your body, that kind of thing you know, or someone directly took your power by physically overpowering you. Um, so um, I think we all carry at least the cellular memory of that. Um, and it does come into relationships and into intimacy. Why? How? 
that's a really big thing. But, you know, a lot of the time, a relationship choice is actually um, an attraction, a subconscious attraction that has to do with the trauma and the trauma trying to resolve itself. Um, so you've heard the term trauma bonding. And this is when, you know, two people get together and it feels really good because it seems to help or like kind of put a band-aid on the area of your life that's been so hurt. But if you are an evolving soul, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a consciously evolving soul then what that relationship is actually showing you is how to um, resolve the trauma, become more conscious and and become more integrated and whole in and of unto yourself um, and to your truth, which is also in connection and relationship to the divine. So um, can two people do that together, like get conscious together? Absolutely. I just talked with another couple this week, um, thinking about beginning to work with me um, in the new year. And that's what they've been doing for five years. So, you know, in in my experience, my path was so fast and furious with multiple, like, quote unquote, soul mates, so that I could really quickly and deeply learn and integrate these lessons um, so that I can share them with you. Um, and yes, it, it's been a quick and dirty, um, you know, thanks, soul. My soul is like, yeah badass and um, took on a lot in this lifetime. <laughs> so um, lots of really, really big lessons in multiple partnerships in a pretty short amount of time after I decided to leave my marriage. So um, can two people resolve the trauma bonding together? Yes. And um, can it happen in multiple relationships? Yes. This is the path, like <laughs> walking to our own wholeness and integration and freeing the trauma is the path. So, you know, don't hold tight to a relationship because you think that it like has to be the one that you have to resolve these traumas with because it may or may not be, you know, letting go of it might be part of the lesson. But anyway, I digress. So, what I want to just go through is like a few really common trauma reactions when it comes to intimacy and relationship, either, you know, relating for one day physically or relating over a period of time. It applies to um, any and all. So the first one I'll say is contraction in the body or the breath. Which is so common that I think you're really going to have to pause and and consider, like, where am I contracting? Where am I expanding? And if there is any residual fear or trauma or patriarchal trauma, sexual trauma um, in the system, women, then you're going to be contracting. That's a big statement. If there's any residual trauma, you will experience a contraction. So let's just say we all have some residual trauma. We're all going to experience a contraction. So what do we do when we get to the moment of contraction? We honor the body and what the body is telling us. So advice would be, do not move forward in contraction. If you are moving forward when you're in contraction, which means you're holding your breath, a body part, it feels like it's shutting down. Um, 
your belly hurts. Um, your muscles are tight. You know, you, you want to kind of run a little bit, but you're making yourself stay. Those are all signs of a contraction that the body does not feel safe to move forward. And so if you stop the next time and just say, I'm just not going to move forward here. I'm not going to move forward with intimacy here. I'm not going to say yes to moving forward until this contraction loosens. And that might take a moment and and five deep breaths. That might take days or months. Okay. I do this in an exercise with couples. And and this is also in my couples co-regulation ebook that you can just download for like 12 bucks on sarahpoet.com. But I do this um, exercise with couples that's really telling where there's a center point and then you like back up, you know, 10 feet or so from the center point. So you're 15 to 20 feet from each other total. And there's a goal to get to the center point, but the center point means I'm safe and I want to connect. And so each person has to tune in with their body and their breath and only take a step forward toward the middle when their body tells them yes. So a lot of partners will look at, you know, their partner across the way and nobody can cross the middle point, by the way, like partner A cannot come across the middle point to to partner B. So let's say partner A is like, oh my gosh, I really can't wait to get to my partner. We might call that anxious attachment or something like that if we're into those like brainy words about attachment. Okay. But the energetics don't lie. It doesn't, we don't need to really understand attachment. We just need to understand what the energetics are doing. Are they expanding? Are they contracting? And so partner B might be like, when I feel that kind of pull at me, I just want to stand right here. I feel contraction in my system and I I cannot open to that energy. And so that's what they do. And then, and then partner A has to like realize like, oh, they can't move forward toward me when I'm anxious like this. Oh, I have to breathe into my body. Okay. Right. So then they begin to co-regulate so that, you know, maybe they get to the middle. Maybe they don't even get to the middle the first day. So if there is contraction in the breath or in the body, if the body or the breath is saying, I'm stuck, I can't go, then it's saying no. Because at some point before in your life, you are asked to override that. Okay? So we're not going to ask our body to override that anymore. I also want to say that these are practices that these are things, acknowledgements, mindfulness practices that you can practice on a daily basis. You know, are you walking around with your belly tight, with your breath up in your chest, or are you able to exhale the full way to the end, allow the inhale to rise? Do you make decisions on a daily basis in a rash way? That's a fight or flight response. Slow it down. Find the depth of the exhale. Let yourself know that you're safe. So 
two super quick ways to bring the brain back into regulation is what I've been saying, elongate the exhale, make your exhale longer than your inhale. Okay. And then another one is count and make them even, you know, count to five on the exhale, pause, count to five on the inhale, pause. So anytime you're regulating your breath, you're regulating your, your mind, but also your vagal system and your nervous system. So this is why I teach couples to breathe together as well, right? Because if you can breathe in a co-regulatory way and have that as your foundation, as your foundation of relating, it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be tantric. It doesn't have to be something fancy. It's like, can you breathe together? And most couples with trauma, with trauma bonding, can't. I'm not going to say can't. They do not find it easy to breathe together. So you can really help the effects of the trauma bonding in the relationship and the tension in the relationship by actually just going to a co-regulatory breath practice. So you can practice on your own. You can practice with your partner. But regulating your breathing on purpose before you are expecting your body to do anything that is more intimate. Actually, I'm questioning my use of those words. So perhaps <laughs> sitting, you know, knee to knee and breathing together and looking into each other's eyes, that's about as intimate as it gets, right? Anybody can rub body parts together. Anybody. Sex isn't necessarily intimacy. So you can override a trauma reaction that's happening in your body and go right to sex, but the, the perpetuation of the trauma response and the lived experience in the body is, is going to continue to build. And this is where I see couples, you know, women who have been overriding that trauma response in their body and then their body's like, I'm not having sex anymore. And the man's like, why? What's up? What, what am I doing wrong? You know? And that's a bigger thing. Like it's both fans, right? But don't override the trauma response. Don't just say yes to intimacy without like knowing your breath, knowing your body. And is that saying yes to moving forward? And if it's not, then can you name what you need? Can you name, you know, I I need to keep my clothes on. I need to go for a walk. Will you just sit here and breathe with me? You know, what wants to happen? And and that is a really brave thing, women, but we have to practice that too. Which brings me to another, I'll say, symptom of trauma and intimacy is not being able to name what it is you do want. And like I was mentioning uh, when I spoke of MADE, M-A-I-D, the Netflix series, you know, we are patterned as women, yes, um, 
<laughs> but I think all of us are are patterned societally, culturally to not know how to say what's true for us easily and say what we want. And there's a thousand reasons for that. But, um, you know, if you find that you are um, giving the decision-making authority authority away to someone else or losing your voice or even, oh my goodness, there, there might be a dissociative effect going on. Like you don't even know what you want. And so you're letting the other person decide. And I really want to say too, this came up this week as well. And in calls that I was doing was this is not gendered in any in any way, because there are a lot of people. Yes, there are a lot of brothers. I want to specifically talk about the men for a moment that that have not been given permission to say what they want or what they don't want. And especially after a couple of decades of, you know, feminism and and women like quote unquote regaining power, a lot of men are really confused about what they can say right now and what they can't say. Will it be accepted? Will it not be accepted? You know, if if I say I don't want this, am I um, putting an, a limit on her? Am I trying to control her? You know, it's like there's so much confusion in the minds of of men as. A, as I've seen about like, what do I want? And am I currently, do I have permission to want that? Um, And can I voice that? Can I voice what I want? And so, um, you know, the, the causes of that again are vast and um, let me, let me pause and see. Yeah. So for anyone you you pause just like I just did actually. You just pause and and be like, okay, all things considered, everything that's going on out there, everything that this person is saying to me, what is true for me? And you just keep going back to that place. You might need to take a break. Like if you're in a relationship or it's like a hot and heavy situation and there's like a lot of fast movement, you might need to just pause. Like, okay, I need 10 minutes. I need to walk outside. I need, I need to come back tomorrow, you know, or I I need this date to be done. Like, whatever, you know, whatever you need. But you give yourself that pause so that you can hear the truth arise. Because, like holiday, when we're walking around that lake and she sees somebody coming at her or toward (laughs) just even in the direction, they're not coming at her, but just like, even in that direction, she's saying, oh no. And in that moment that she's saying, oh no, there's so much contraction. She's in fight or flight. She does not know what she needs or wants. She's just out of there. Okay. And so that's what your insides are doing when you're in fight or flight. And you cannot get to the point of clarity about what you actually want when you are in fight or flight. So you have to pause. You have to create the pause. You have to go back to the breath. You have to go back to really like, you know, basic connection with yourself, with the other and get to the truth of what you want. And if you don't know, and if there's contraction, then you maintain the pause. 
All right. And then perhaps the last sign and symptom that I want to talk about is dissociation. And these are, again, really big concepts, but bringing them here, just just in this moment, (laughs) in this way, um, you can look into more of this or contact me if you're interested um, in learning more. But dissociation is when we're in a situation where the trauma memory has gotten triggered, whether consciously or unconsciously, and then we begin to lose our capacity to focus our mind. So our mind kind of goes away. Now, why does this happen? Um, In the event of a really severe trauma, And I would say for me, like, especially as a young person, because the young person who's more innocent and, you know, unfortunately, potentially a target because of that innocence, um, a young person doesn't have the capacity to make sense of, of something so like heinous that's happening. And so what the mind will actually do in a traumatic event is often block the memory, which is actually a protective mechanism built into the body and the mind, which is really wonderful in that you can go on functioning. But it's also what's really confusing because you notice that you're functioning But you don't know why you don't feel good about certain things. So you might be having true fight or flight responses in terms of intimacy or relationship, and you might not know why that's happening. That's normal. I want to say that you do not have to know the story of what happened in order to honor that the body is contracting, that the body wants to run, or that your mind is dissociating. I'm going to give an example that I actually just wrote about for my memoir. And so it's kind of on the tip of my mind. Um, It's an example of dissociation. So my father had this Jekyll and Hyde um, personality, you know, call it bipolar. It was informed by some darker energetics that I'll reveal in my memoir. Um, And I had memories of like not knowing what to expect or just like an inexplicable fear as far as my mind knew. Now, we remembered extreme events, that kind of thing, but my mother also didn't talk about the extreme events. So, as a child, not only did I have my own dissociation because I couldn't make sense of the depth of what had been happening, but also then the other adult in the house who you look to as your caregiver and caretaker, um, that person was saying, nothing's wrong here. So there was this completely skewed, like, you know, kind of fucked up view of like normalizing really abnormal events. Okay. So my mind had a lot of dissociative tendencies. So as a child, these memories got blocked in the body. I've recovered a lot of them through trauma therapies the memories get stuck and then I can't remember like exactly what happened, but I know that my body's afraid. Okay. 
I know that my body's afraid such that like, I, you know, I'm a functioning school, like even at the beginning of being a school principal, I was having like absolute panic attacks and I didn't know why. Okay. It's because the trauma was, was trapped in the body. So I'm in my thirties. I'm a school principal. I'm a mother. This is what I just wrote about in the memoir. I'm a mother. Um, and I'm living on my, my own after my divorce and my father's coming through town to visit. And I start to have like a visceral panic experience in my body. And, um, you know, again, because my family was like, just pretend that everything's normal. Um, that's what we did. That's what I had learned to do. Just pretend, just go on with it. Just pretend. So I didn't feel safe with him in my home with my child and I, but we played normal and it was like normal enough, enough of the time that it even questioned me to feel like, am I crazy for feeling this way? Um, and so I felt a lot of fear with this visit approaching with my father and didn't know why I couldn't explain the fear exactly in my body. So I let him come and I let him stay in my home, even though I was feeling, feeling not safe. I had a ton of contraction around that, a ton of panic around that. And at the end of the night, after my child was asleep, he cornered me um, with my back against the wall, very surprisingly. And his eyes had kind of like gone dark. Like my father wasn't there anymore, but there was this Jekyll and Hyde thing. And, and he was this like other personality that was present and he was threatening me. And it was about, um, <laughs> uh, religion and, and Jesus. And so, because, and this was also the same time that I was, um, opening up to spiritual gifts, my truths, Mary Magdalene and Jesus together, you know, like all of these things. And so the more bold I got, the more he tried to, you know, tamp me down or, and so he was um, lost. He was in this like very um, threatening place and looking at me with these like evil eyes and telling me that I would go to hell, telling me what a terrible person I was like really knocking me down to size. And here I am like two master's degrees running a school. My child's asleep in the other room. And this man is trying to like destroy me with his words. Well, because I can remember that because I was an adult and coherent enough and had done enough trauma healing and trauma therapy, I could be like, that just happened, right? And then, because I could say, maybe my family wasn't ready to like recognize that, but I could say, that happened. And then that gives me my personal permission to acknowledge that a whole host of events happened like that before, that I could only partially remember because of the dissociation. So I just told that whole story to say that, yes, had that happened countless times before? Yes. I dissociated because it was so far out there, so completely inappropriate, so out of alignment with like, didn't I just have dinner with this guy? Wasn't he just a cool grandpa like a minute ago? And now I'm experiencing this. And so that um, I had dissociated, forgotten, um, ignored, you know, at the suggestion of my mother, um, for so long, but the fear of it was trapped in the body. Now, do you think if that was my primary masculine figure, 
in this lifetime that I also had inexplicable fears arise with partners? A thousand percent. Do you think that I chose partners that would trigger those fears subconsciously? For fucking sure. Okay. So that was a long uh, tangent, if you will, um, or roundabout way of talking about dissociation. But I wanted to give you a really clear example of what dissociation is and that it's really normal. Because for, you know, little girl me, it would not make any sense at all why my father figure, my caregiver, was then threatening me. And so my brain would block that, right? And then as an adult, we're, you know, we're saying, I'm going to honor this, this truth that I don't feel safe right now. Or we have a glimpse of another situation that reminds us of it. And then the brain gets triggered. Um, and then maybe we're able to remember because as we reclaim more and more of our sovereignty and bring our truth home and integrate these traumatized parts. And we just keep on doing the work. And I'm talking, I've done this for like thousands and thousands of hours, y'all. As we do that, more memories that were suppressed will actually likely be revealed, but that will only happen when you are able to deal with it. So I want to say that again, because this is really, really important for anyone listening who's experienced trauma. In the same way that your body protects you from knowing exactly what has happened, your body will also only give you what you can handle in your healing. So if you have a memory uncover, that means that you can handle it. This is a grand design. So if you're in, you know, a consensual intimate space and something begins to arise as far as a trauma memory, go slow so that you can be with the effects of whatever had been suppressed in order to heal and heal the system. What's really beautiful is that two people absolutely can do this with one another. Because if you, you know, say to your partner, I feel the need to breathe. I feel a lot of nervousness in my belly. Do you mind putting your hand on the back of of my back and on my belly and just breathing with me? You know, you're, you know, intuitively what you need, how you need to be presenced with. You know, this, you have this intelligence and you can learn to listen to it, to honor it and to not force yourself to move fast and put yourself back in those situations where again, your body will go into a fight or flight. 
And I think that's where I'll begin to wrap up here is that we're rewriting the cellular, the energetic, the thought, the mental, the emotional patterning. Okay, that's what we're we're doing. We're re um, re crafting that, rewriting that. Yes, we're owning our story, owning our voices, but owning our bodies <sighs> at a time where this question of do you have the right to choose, you know about your own body is international (laughs) uh, news right now. It's in question everywhere. Do we have the right to decide what to do with our own body? Yes, absolutely. And your body knows. So intimacy, deep heart connection, love relationships, all of that sounds like a really good idea. When the trauma is unresolved, and everyone has some degree of unresolved trauma, then that is going to either block the capacity for true depth of relating that your soul knows that you are capable of having. At first, it's going to block that Because there's a liberation that wants to happen. The liberation that wants to happen does not happen by overriding the truth of the trigger of the trauma response in the body of the contraction of the fight or flight. If you override that, it will perpetuate. It will show up in the next relationship, in the next time you take your clothes off, et cetera, et cetera. And so, where do you need to pause the rush? Where do you need to attune to your own breath and your own body? And maybe you need to start to move again. Because after there's been a really big scare, the body will go into sometimes a perpetual freeze response. I've done that too. Where you're like, fine, I just don't need it anyone i'm i'm good after this really scary breakup this really crazy situation um at the end of 2019 a good friend and mentor of mine said do not stop moving i didn't listen <laughs> i didn't listen and and i locked down and um it it set patterns like from this fight or flight response in my system that uh, have taken a really long time to reverse. So if you're in a perpetual freeze response and not even opening to relationship, to love, to intimacy, to human connection, then where do you need to begin to move and breathe again? This can be on your own in your living room. Um, Sarah Brianne Grady, who's been on the podcast twice, um, at Sarah Brianne Grady on Instagram. She teaches Koya. Koya is an amazing 
body-based movement that's trauma-informed that gets you moving, gets you into your body again. Um, A couple episodes back, I interviewed Natalie Kuhn from the class. The class is a trauma-informed modality. So get into the body and be moving the body with the breath, with the sound, um, and that will begin to loosen up the trauma patterns in your body. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for listening to this episode. I know that there was a lot of heavy information in it. Why do I acknowledge the heavy and the honest and the real? It's so that we can transmute this and get to the light, to the union, to the heart opening because, oh my God, the heart opening is so sweet. And we cannot open our hearts And open our hearts to true intimacy, true, like unbounded relating until we move through the trauma. So, so much love. If I can hold space for you as a couple, as an individual, if you're feeling something right now and you're like, I don't know what working with Sarah Poet looks like, but I feeling something and I'm feeling a connection and your soul, your body, your breath is saying yes, then go ahead and book a free 15-minute call with me. There's no pressure from those calls. I will um, (laughs) commit to trauma-informed sales calls, right? Trauma-informed processes throughout what I do. And so, um, yes, can we help bring you through your trauma even multidimensionally. I haven't even gone into that, but yes, we can because the time is now to heal the traumas in the body, uh, relationally, um, intergenerationally. Yes, we are, we are, (laughs) we are done with these patterns. Who out there is done with these patterns? I want to help with that. I'm here to help with that. I love you. If I can be of help, reach out and schedule a 15-minute chat with me, um, and we will connect, okay? And we will connect, and we will listen to the system and see what the system wants. Thank you for being here with me. Oh my gosh, I'm getting teary. Thank you for being here um, for, you know, this 100th episode. Thank you for being here with me in real talk. Thank you for being here at this time on the planet where we are remembering who we are so that that activation of who we are activates change and ripple effect on the planet. And if everybody would just take a breath with me here and feel that ripple effect, feel the ripple effect of clearing your trauma, feel the ripple effect of the next time you want to go fast, go slow and breathe. Feel the ripple effect of when someone wants you to sleep with them quickly, you say, I don't do that anymore. I'm going to listen to my body. Would you like a hug? (laughs) Feel the ripple effect of owning your story. Feel the ripple effect of saying, yes, I believe you, body. I believe you, body. I love y'all. Reach out anytime. Talk soon. Thank you so much for being here today and for listening with your whole heart. I'm Sarah Poet. It is my pleasure to offer up this and other episodes. 
You can find me at sarahpoet.com. All of my work is trauma-informed. All of it. Because we are traversing a time in history where we are coming out of massive separation and trauma. That lives in us. There is no need to pretend like it doesn't or like we have it all together. We're messy. (laughs) The nervous system remembers our trauma and that of our ancestors. So in order to truly experience evolutionary love, soul union, we have to address the traumas that live in our body and the nervous system. And my work with couples has always done that. I teach you how to presence with one another, how to um, stop continually getting triggered in the same uh, trauma bonding and, um, and to move through together. Or, you know, if I also see people that are consciously uncoupling as well. And so, um, yes, this is that, that peaceful transition point into higher evolutionary love into the soul union that you know that you are capable of, or potentially this relationship is coming to an end. But I see couples through that um, and of course do individual work as well. So it's combination, it's combination service to the nervous system and to the trauma, but we also, we're not our trauma, we are our truth. And so we're living into the truth of who we are simultaneously. If this is for you at this time, you can book a consultation with me at sarahpoet.com and we will get to know one another and see if moving forward together is the right thing for all. I look forward to talking with you and so much love. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.